Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Arthur Godfrey, Suspense, Mr. District Attorney, Jack Webb in Dragnet, and some very funny stuff with comedians Bob and Ray. For more than 40 years, millions of Americans would tune in every morning to Arthur Godfrey Time. A pleasant Tuesday morning to you. This is Arthur Godfrey with Linda Scott and Richard Hayes and the Giesenslaws and the orchestra with everyone intact. Father time checked As though there'd be no doubt Called on the north wind Come on out And then cupped his hands So proudly to shout La-da-da, la-da-da, da-da It's autumn And the trees say they're tired They've borne too much fruit Charmed all the wayside Ain't no dispute Now shedding leaves They don't give a hoot la ti da da ti da ti da Says autumn And then the birds got together To chirp about the weather Ah, Johnny After making their decision In birdie-like precision Turned about And uh, made a beeline to the south There's a fire My whole new clothes Really is no crime Ask the birds, the trees And old father time It's just to help The mercury climb Comedians Bob and Ray were known for doing parodies of famous shows and personalities. Their daily program was heard coast to coast on the various networks for over two decades. Here's one of their parodies, Bob and Ray doing the Arthur Godfrey Show. There are quite a few people here who were among the unfortunate ones last week who put honey in their hair. We, they thought it was hairdressing. Tony, have you, have you given them the little paper cups of uh, cleaning fluid to take that out? Oh, that's right. Carbon right. Tet. They all have some carbon tetrachloride, but some of them have uh, gone ahead and uh, have... Uh, Consumed it often. 
the carbon. You mean they drank the carbon tetrachloride? Look, you folks who haven't already uh, used up your carbon tetrachloride, that was for taking the honey out of your hair. They told us that would work. So if uh, if you drank it, if you can get All another cup up here, I think, if we have a little left. Is there any more of that carbon tet left, Tony? Yes, there's some over here, Arthur, in a glass jug. All right, well, you can have seconds on it. Any of you folks who who used it by mistake, who drank it, it's not to be. You should never drink it. Don't ever do that. Arthur, we uh, gave everybody a, a tube of aluminum cement, Arthur, and uh, I'm afraid, Arthur, that some of them have... Aluminum cement? They put it on that cupcake, Arthur, that... Uh... Oh, don't do that. It's not icing. That stuff is for repairing jewelry and uh, metallic things. A lot and of them have gone ahead and... <laughs> Won't do you any good on the cupcakes. Because those cupcakes are delicious enough as they are, as they come. Don't need any any uh, fancy dressing up, especially with aluminum cement. That's right, Arthur. So... I don't know what to do, Arthur. This is, seems to be getting out of hand completely here. It does, it does, Tony. I think we got to make some stricter, more strict rules or something. These folks, they're just going to get sick. No good will come out of that. Okay, well, the rest of you folks, put the papers in the wastebasket when you're through. Now let's have a little music now, huh? All right, Arthur. One of the great shows of the 40s and 50s was Mr. District Attorney. He fought crime and criminals for more than 20 years and never lost a battle. Here's Jay Jostin as... Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mr. District Attorney, transcribed, starring Jay Justin in the title role, Len Doyle as Harrington, and Vicki Vola as Miss Miller. And it shall be my duty as District Attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. Ready with the searchlights, Harrington. 10, 15,000 waters. Harrington. Chief. When I switch off, connect my mic into the loudspeakers on the sound truck. Check. And just remember the Thompson submachine guns fire 600 bullets a minute. Be careful. Right. Okay, I'm switching off. All right, Ritano, you're surrounded. Come out with your hands up, all of you. The warehouse is surrounded and the pier is covered by police boats. Come out with your hands up. sound truck and broke the equipment. I wasn't receiving you. Chief, look. What? What is it? Over there, a, a man coming there. out of the warehouse. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, that's Rocky. 
Rocky, we're trying to... He's coming this way. Keep quiet. Chief, Chief, don't be crazy. That man's a killer. Uh, I've been waiting for this. Watch me, Harrington. Maybe you can get his gun. Brian, get me, Carter. He's trying to get away. Oh, Chief, you can't fight him with your bare fists. That's the way I want it. Okay, Rocky. Uh. And there's another one for Wally Jensen. Uh. His gun, Harrington. He's dropped it. Yeah, I got him. What's the matter, Rocky? Don't like fighting with your fists, sir. I'll pay you off. I'll pay you off. Pay me for Wally Jensen's life? There isn't that much dough in the world. Chief, are you all right? Yes, I never felt better in my life. Going to come on out the warehouse? It's over. All right, get Rocky out of the water, Harrington. That's a fish I'm going to fry personally. Ladies and gentlemen, every member of the Ritano gang was captured. As a result, one of the most vicious rings in the country was broken. Rocky was convicted and sent to the electric chair for Wally Jansen's murder. And now here's Bob and Ray once again with this parody. It's entitled, Mr. District Defender. Hello, this is Mr. District Defender, pursuer of the con man, the hoaxster. Last year in this city of ours, six million people were affected by the activities of the con man, the hoaxster. That's because of taxes that have to be paid to trap these people, and it comes to quite a lot. There are many people who can't pay taxes because they have been victimized by con men, hoaxsters. Take the case of Dora Duncan, who visited my office high atop Van Cortland Park recently. Are you Mr. District Defender? Yes, I am. What is your name? Dora Duncan. And you have a story to tell me? As a matter of fact, I do. Well, you can start your story any time. I have my high-speed recorder going, which eliminates a lot of pencil work. Go ahead. Well, a man came to my door three weeks ago, pretended to be a vacuum cleaner salesman. While he was there, he tried to sell me some oil stock. Well, it sounded good to me, so I called my broker and told him about it. He said it was a marvelous buy, so I bought some from this man. And in the three weeks I've owned the stock, I made $812,000. That's about it. All right, Mrs. Duncan, calm down and tell me your story. I just did. Isn't it marvelous? If you people were more careful about the papers you signed, this sort of thing wouldn't happen. Well, I'm glad I did. I made a nice dollar. Did you ask the man for his credentials? Oh, I didn't bother with that. He seemed well-dressed and anxious to please. Most con men are. If the public would only become aware that a man's appearance is no clue to his character. Well, he seemed very affluent. I noticed there were a great many rings on his fingers. Sure, that's part of their game. They wear a good many rings on their fingers so as to appear affluent. And often the sucker is taken in by this. Well, you can't laugh away a profit of $812,000. Well, I'll see what I can do. Did he mention his name? No, but he signed his name when he transferred the oil stock over to me. Well, it's not much to go on. So far, the evidence you've given me has been flimsy. Well, I certainly hope you can locate him. I can always use more money. Forgive me, Mrs. Duncan, but if the ordinary citizen would only understand that they're bound by what they sign, there wouldn't be so many people victimized by these crooks. Can you describe him? I don't think so. As I told you, I called my broker on the phone while he was there, and when my broker told me what a good buy it was, I fainted with joy, so I don't remember too much. I'm surprised at your broker. As a man who understands what most papers mean, he should have known better. Well, we all make mistakes. Do you think you can find the man? As I said, there's not much to go on. 
And here's another piece of bad news. Even if we were able to locate him, we may find that the papers you signed are all in good order and perfectly legal. And I'll have to live up to what I signed. I'm afraid so, Mrs. Duncan. Well, now, you do your best to find him anyway. Maybe he's got more stock he wants to sell. We'll try. But I'll tell you right now, it looks as though you've been taken in, Mrs. Duncan. In the future, I'd be more careful about what I signed if I were you. Harry, Harry, are you asleep? Harry, wake up. I just had a great dream. <laughs> What's that? What? Harry, I just dreamed our SGLI rates went down 15%, and now $15,000 worth of that great protection costs only $255 a month. You dingbat. That's no dream. That's exactly what the Veterans Administration did. Oh? Well, those boys at the VA really latch on to good ideas pretty fast. I just told you about it a minute ago. Fred. What, Harry? Dream about us getting transferred to Miami Beach. Okay. Suspense was another one of radio's popular shows. It went on the air in the early 40s and featured some of the top stars in motion pictures. Here's a sample. The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you... Suspense. Columbia's play theater of outstanding thrillers, produced and directed by William Spear and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from fiction and stage and screen, from the world's great literature of entertaining excitement, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair, to keep you in suspense. Bill. Hello, who's this? Tom. Tom Warner. Oh, you're kidding. Who is this? It's Tom. It's Tom, you dope. I... Why, What's I... What's the matter? What's the matter? Just can't get it through my thick head, that's all. Last time I heard about I know, you... I know, I know, I know, but it's all over now. I'm alive. Now, Bill, listen to me. Now, listen close. Listen awful close, Bill. Bill. Suki's alive. Suki? Yeah, yeah, Suki. He's working in a flower shop in the hospital here. Are you crazy? Now, no, I've seen him. I've watched him. I've noticed all his gestures. Yeah, he's got that scar I gave him right on the side of his face. Hey, are you listening? Yeah, 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 go on. Now, I want you to get a hold of Curly. And tonight, the three of us will blast him right out of the face of the earth. Tom, are you okay? What's the matter with you? I found Suki. He's here right in the United States where we can get at him. Well, if you're sure it's Suki, why don't you call the cops or the FBI? Because I know what'll happen to him then. He'll end up in an American jail and he'll have a nice soft bed to sleep in. He'll get three good hot meals a day. And he'll get all the comforts of home. Look what he gave to us. Not in your life, Bill. Now, look, if you start driving right now, you can be here by 9 o'clock. Tom, the war's over. I forgot all that stuff a long time ago. I want you to forget it, too. Sure, sure. And you can forget it all if you want to. I know why you're forgetting it. It's because you're chicken, that's why. You haven't got the guts to face them, and you're lousy, yell on your backbone. Is... Comedians Bob and Ray once again now, this time with their parody of suspense titled Anxiety. Time for another story of drama and suspense. A tale well designed to keep you in anxiety. <laughs> And here once again to set the stage for this week's yarn is the widely known adventurer and world traveler, Commander Neville Putney. Commander, I presume that you've reached into your amazing file of stories and have brought forth another tale well designed to keep our listeners in anxiety. 
Indeed I have, young man. Our story this week takes place aboard a crack passenger train rocketing its way across the western United States. In the coaches and private compartments, people were enjoying the scenery. It all appeared to be going well, but in the cabin of the locomotive, the engineer turned to the fireman with panic written all over his face. George, quick. Something's gone wrong with the air brake system. You're right, Emo. We must be doing at least 75. Cut the steam and let her close. It's no good, George. Don't you realize where we are? Yeah, Emo, I'd forgotten. We're almost to Flagstaff Hill. That's right, George. We're going to go rocketing down the steepest grade in the Rockies at full speed. Yeah, Emo, and the hairpin curve is at the bottom. We can't take that curve at this speed. We'll jump the tracks for sure. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen, George. There's no way we can slow down. We'll be doing at least 100 by the time we hit hairpin curve. The lives of over 200 passengers are in our hands, and we can't do a thing. The baggage will probably be smashed, too. I'd blow an SOS on the whistle if I thought it would do any good, but there isn't time. We're less than a half mile from Flagstaff Hill now. Yeah, Emil, it's been nice working with you. Nice working with you too, George. I guess this is the way for a railroader to go, highballing down a hill with his hand on a throttle. Goodbye, George. Good luck. How about that for a story of drama and suspense? Boy, that's a real thriller, Commander, but you can't just leave us in anxiety uh, this way. Did George and Emil get out of the accident all right, or what? Well, oddly enough, there wasn't any accident. But they were going down Flagstaff Hill with the brakes gone. No, no, that's why you're wrong. George and Emil were mistaken about that. They were thinking this was the westbound run, and actually they were going east. That meant they had to go up Flagstaff Hill rather than down. Naturally, when the train hit that steep upgrade, it stopped of its own accord. George and Emil took it on into Denver at a reduced speed and had the brakes fixed there. Well, uh, in other words, this wasn't a story of drama and suspense at all. It was just another one of your lead balloons. Ruddy young bounder, I've warned you time and again about voicing your opinions on the stories I bring forth from my amazing file. The only amazing thing about your file is that so many dull stories could be collected in one place. You were in my regiment. You do time in the guardhouse for a statement like that. Now read your closing announcement. Okay, but you sure laid an egg today. Cheeky young blighter, read the announcement. Be sure to join us next time when Commander Putney will again reach into his amazing file and draw forth a tale well-designed to keep you in anxiety. When Jack Webb began his Dragnet series on the radio, he brought something totally different to the listeners. That was realism. The dialogue, sound effects, and the story kept listeners glued to the radio. Here's a portion of a Dragnet episode starring Jack Webb. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. The people living and working here represent almost every culture common to civilized man. Most of them contribute something worthwhile to the community. There are those who take more than they give. They feed on the sorrows, ignorance, and superstitions of others. When they do, I go to work. I carry a badge. It was Tuesday, May 11th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of Frauds Division, Bunko Section. The boss is Captain Lambert. My partner's Bill Gannon. My name's Friday. Well, how'd it go? Convicted on all counts. Sentencing is set for the 10th of next month. You know, Cap, it's hard to figure. What's that, Gannon? The way they keep trying. 
Last month, this Paul Norman tried to juice Lieutenant Arabian. Month before, that character from Florida tried. They just won't learn. You mean they won't both? And now here's Bob and Ray, and they do it again. And this is a funny one, as they present their parody of Dragnet. And now, the United States Post Office, producers and distributors of stamps, invite you to ride with the men of Squad Car 119. Sam Finch. Me and my partner, Ralph R. Kruger, Jr., we're the unsung heroes of the police force. We ride a prowl car at night, up the boulevards and down the side streets, always on the lookout for trouble in the making. One evening last week, a kid about six years old wandered into headquarters and said he was lost. The skipper sent him up to our department. We told him to wait in the outer office. Then my partner, Ralph R. Kruger, Jr., turned to me and said... He's a cute little fellow. What do you think we ought to do with him? I don't know. I'll take him down and book him and get fingerprints and mug shots, I guess. Well, gee, Sam, I don't think that's what you do with a lost kid. What could we book him for? Vagrancy charge would hold him overnight. Give us time to interrogate him before some smart lawyer got got him sprung in the morning. Well, I don't think interrogation would do any good, Sam. He's already told the skipper he doesn't remember his name or where he lives. Yeah, a lot of them use that M.O. Check him through R&I and we'll probably find out who he is quick enough. Glimmett had a lost kid up here a month or so ago. He bought him an ice cream cone, let the kid wear his police hat. We could do that. Then call in a newspaper photographer and take our picture. Make us look pretty silly giving the kid an ice cream cone if he's got a record a mile long. I'd like to check him through R&I first. Yeah, I guess we should. I read a story one time about a guy posing as a lost kid who was really a midget. You think vagrancy is the best thing to book him on? Yeah, vagrancy, resisting arrest, either one. I'll get it. Vagrancy, Kruger Jr. This is the skipper. You can bring that lost boy back downstairs. His parents have just been located by the men of squad car 43. They've been identified, booked, and brought before a hearing in the commissioner's office. In one minute, the results of that hearing. And while we're waiting to hear the outcome of this week's exciting case, just a word from the United States Post Office. Friends, if you've written a letter and wanted to reach the person it's addressed to, your best bet is to use a stamp. Stamps are now available in a wide variety of colors and denominations. Ask your local representative of the United States Post Office to show you his samples today. The parents of the lost boy in that case were fined $5 for permitting their child off his leash without a license. They were warned that a second conviction would result in a prison term of not less than 30 days, nor more than five years. And so another case is brought to its successful conclusion by the unsung heroes of the police force, the men who ride the squad cars at night. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Are you one of those who take for granted the liberties and freedoms granted you as an American citizen? Take the freedom to own property, alone or in association with others. This includes a business and a chance to be a productive citizen. Think what it would be like if citizens couldn't own property. This freedom granted to you cannot be taken for granted. All freedoms must be cherished and protected. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.